Hello, good afternoon, and welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. How is everybody doing? Today is Monday as we record this. I don't know what day you're going to be listening to this, but today is Monday. It's my baby son's first day in high school. Yeah. And this mama bird was all over the place. I wasn't a helicopter. I was a, I don't know, what's the little thing that they send? That people, the drone, that's kind of what it was. But I was there. A drone. I, or maybe you were a hummingbird. I, was, I made sure that I was there with my baby as it, as it walls into me, um, high school for the first time. And we found out that he's the same height as their um, disability parking, the, the whole, the five, the things about 5'10". So I was very happy that he stood by there, not by design, but in four years, someone is going to be checking how tall he got after high school. But that's, you know, I digress. Today we have another guest. Her name is the one and only JJ, Dr. Joanne Jurett. She's a doc mom like me, but guess what? She was smart enough to get out of the burnout cycle early enough to become a stay-at-home mom with her kids. So this woman is now a podcaster. And let me tell you, if you're looking for a funny female family physician, this is who you're looking for. Dr. Joanne Jarrett, she has the most funniest podcast that I've ever been on that I've listened to. It's called Fancy Free. So stop what you're doing, press pause, go and download it, and then come back and listen some more, okay? Because this is going to be fun. Dr. JJ, take it away. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you for writing something on our page today, Suicide Pages. How are you, Mama Sita? Hi, Dr. Lulu. I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to see your face and to yes. talk to you. Yes, ma'am. And I know we talk about heavy stuff, but we talk about it in a fun way because there's always life. And I told you this morning, I, I told you what I did already this morning, right? I did something really major. Yes, this you had a- I, like, oh my goodness, you know? So sometimes life throws you curveballs and you just have to bend grab it right as he walls that's away that's right so. you have to yep Girl. <laughs> that's right so, spin around and catch that ball yes, do what you gotta do do a Keanu Reeves on them do what you gotta do but catch that ball <laughs> so right. we're gonna be talking about depression and suicide and other stories where do you want to start ma'am Well, I think my story with depression starts when I was in high school, actually. And I didn't realize that until retrospect. But um, I I believe that abnormal brain chemistry can be triggered by something that is a situation. And then once the situation resolves, sometimes you can be left left with this abnormal brain chemistry. And I believe that's what happened. Because I had something happen in high school, which was pretty run of the mill. I had been rejected by a high school boyfriend mm-hmm. who was not good for me and it should have been just fine. But it took me a really long time to get over that. And in retrospect, I realize now that that had triggered a brain chemistry imbalance. And then I was suffering from that for a while, but I got over it naturally after over time, but it was really, it was a hard situation. And then that didn't come back to me until I was in college I went to college in Seattle where the sky is very low and it's very cloudy and gray. And um, I think I began suffering from seasonal affective disorder there. But um, because I'm an overachiever and uh, a high energy person, I just said, I will 
push through this. And, but what my symptoms were, I just kept thinking if I could only get more rest, if I could only get more rest, I would go to bed earlier and earlier and earlier. And I never felt better. I just felt low energy and discouraged. Um, and then I graduated from college. I went to medical school and the medical school time frame period was just so high energy that, um, that I didn't really experience too much in the form of depression, a lot of anxiety in medical school. You can probably relate to that, but not a lot of depression until I had my first baby. And, um, I had my first baby at age 31 and I'd only ever wanted in my whole life to be a wife and a mom. This medicine thing happened sort of on the side, you know, (laughs) but my major goals in life had always been to be a wife and a mama. And I had this beautiful, wonderful baby. Nothing happened. Nothing went wrong, but it just wasn't as fulfilling and exciting as I thought. I was completely exhausted. Mm. And in, and I look back on that and I think, yeah, I probably had postpartum depression. Mm. But again, I just thought, okay, I'll push through this and I'll be all right. And then um, it wasn't until I started with early menopause that I said, uh, I need help. This is not going away on its own. I feel like I'm in a, you know, in sort of a haze. And I actually wrote an article about my experience with depression because it's sometimes it's hard to put it into words. So I'm happy to read that to you if you'd like, or I can refer the listeners to that. You know what? I am very, very happy that I'm speaking to you today for three reasons. First of all, you're touching on something that I plan to discuss later on, the different kinds of depression. You mentioned mm-hmm. depression. You mentioned seasonal affective disorder. Is that what you said? No, seasonal. Yes. Yes. Is that That's right. Seasonal and then you affective disorder. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned yeah. postpartum depression. So, and I know people always ask me, well, what kinds of depression, you know, because like, people don't believe, people do not believe that when you have depression, it's actually like a real thing. Like, what do you mean? You have all these shoes, you have all these That's cars, right. you, have, you live in America. What do you mean you're sad? You know, it's not sadness. Depression is not sadness. It's not synonymous. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sadness, whereas sadness is one of the symptoms right. of depression. Depression is not sadness. You mentioned a few yes. of them. You wanted to sleep all the time, decrease psychomotor energy, right? And just not being happy all the time. It's not because yep. Yep. you're not in medical school, like, oh, look at you, you're smart enough to be in medical school. What do you mean you're sad? It's not just that. But you touched on those, and then you touched on the fact that you're a doctor. And yes, you haven't mentioned that to the listeners, but you mentioned the fact that you can get burned out and you, you fizzled out very fast and we, we might get there f- later on, but it yes, hit you and it just came at you and you were smart enough to save yourself, which not many doctors have discovered that it's okay to walk away from medicine. It's totally fine. But you That's also right. mentioned the fact that you write and the little girl I was talking to today, I told her, I asked her about journaling and she was like, no, I said, well, honey, mm. start you journaling today. And so part of her homework was That's right. to write. But you see what I mean? Like you touched on so many things already. And it's amazing that in five minutes, you've already covered so much. But sometimes you just need the right words and you get straight to the point. So I do want to hear a, a snippet of what you wrote because I heard you talk about it to your niece, <laughs> which I know the listeners. Oh, like, that's right. <laughs> but this chica here, oh my God, you just have to, hopefully if you're listening to me at this point, you've already downloaded the Fancy Free Podcast because we already talked about that. And then you will hear what I'm talking about when you listen to her niece. But on a more serious note, this woman here, you've touched on so many things already. So 
I say we start checking them off one at a time. Let's start with the reactive depression, which is what happened when, you know, mm-hmm. your, your, your boyfriend and you broke up. So you want to just kind of, you want to go back to that a little bit? Yeah. You know, um, I had a really close best friend and I remember I used to call her up on the phone and I couldn't even get any words out. I was just crying, crying, crying. And it was completely out of proportion to what had happened to me because this boy who I knew it wasn't working out with him, he had rejected me. And granted, it was the first time I'd been rejected, but, um, I, you know, that, react the emotional reaction and the toll that it took was completely out of proportion to the significance of breaking up with that boy in my life. It just kind of took what? on a life stop, of its own. Stop right, where I, stop right there. I want you, I want you to say that again for those at the back. It is completely out of proportion to what happened. And that is what's that's yes. the difference. The fact that, well, you just chipped a nail. Yes. Why are you still crying after three days? Because it's not just the chipped nail. What that happened, what that did was it That's uncovered right. what's the brain what chemistry. Gonna, yes. It uncovered what was going to be uncovered yes. anyway. Right. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. And one other thing, one other thing we should touch on is that I have a genetic predisposition to depression. Boom. I have multiple family members with that. And I actually have had a couple of extended family members attempt suicide. I have a very close, um, one of my parents has ex- experience significant depression and it's treated through exercise. And for me, and I think because I have the added hormonal issue of menopause, I wasn't able to just treat my depression with exercise, but you see, I had this significant family history and this genetic predisposition to this, and it started showing up in my adolescence. I love it. Not not the history, but I love what you're doing, what you're, what you're talking about, because I haven't really addressed depression. The, the podcast is so young. I haven't really addressed depression. And we yeah. have had a lot of guests who have touched on their depression, but most of them have touched on other things like sexual abuse and, you know, oh my God, bullying and all that. So, but no one has really oh, touched on mm-hmm. depression and all its ramifications. And you, girl, you are peeling layers today. Not only... all the things we've talked about, but also the genetic predisposition and the fact that you've had family members that have dabbled with attempted suicide. Girl, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to have five pages because, you know, and I call each episode a page. (laughs) You might be destined for multiple pages because we we have to talk about the fact that people can see themselves in every word that you're talking about today. Every word you're saying parental struggles, family Mm -hmm. predisposition. Nine times out of 10, people don't want to talk about it. But if you just dare to talk, you might hear that your sister is dealing with the same thing and your cousin is dealing with the same thing. And wait, your mama's sister's name. Oh my goodness. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And we we don't tend to talk. And when I wrote this article, I was telling my niece Mackenzie, I did not, I did tell my husband because I feel like I, I felt like I needed to let him know before I published this article, but my kids didn't know, my parents didn't know, my sister didn't know. And um, of course, then I got the, the strength to tell them. And I think it was because when I was in the midst of the depression, I just couldn't muster the energy to handle their emotional reaction. I know that's right. That's I thought exactly I can't be right. Yeah, I can't be there for them when they find this out because I am struggling so much. 
So I would, I'd love to read an excerpt of this article to Please. you and I could just, Oh my goodness. Let's hear it. Oh it's my not God. very, so it's much. not very long. The title of the article is knowing my secret will make you feel less alone. It begins with, I love my husband, not in a common way. This love is an earth shattering jigsaw puzzle fit. Hallelujah. Chorus kind of love. I look at him and just reel with the awe of our having found each other. We compliment each other. We are best friends and confidants. We have a mutual respect that sees us through conflict and a collective sense of humor that keeps us laughing. And yet I have a disease that at its worst made me want to turn away, not from him, but from his need of me, from my role in his life. My emotional reserve was so shallow that by afternoon, anything but solitude felt like an assault. I was obligated and determined to meet the needs of my daughters, and after doing my best with that, I had nothing left for him. I love my kids. My highest ambition had always been to be a wife and a mom. We waited six long years to have our two girls, and they are more than I ever could have designed, so much more. Yet this vicious, lying thief of a disease left me walking the other way when I heard their sweet footsteps. Please don't need me. Please don't need me on repeat in my unwell mind. I love my parents and my sister. They love and support me unconditionally and have never wavered in showing me. But I hid my disease from them. I love my parents and my sister. They love and support me unconditionally and have never wavered in showing me. Never. But I hid my disease from them. The energy it would take to explain and reassure eluded me, leaving me in a selfish lie of omission, which, were the tables turned, would hurt me deeply. I love my God. Since the age of three, I have had an abiding, life-giving faith in my Creator. Yet this disease flattened my resolve and dulled my hope. I never lost faith, yet I didn't seek God for help. I love my friends, and yet I withdrew from almost all of them. I felt I had nothing to give, most times feeling already scraped clean, turned inside out, and shaken empty by just the basic responsibilities of daily living. Every depression has its unique beginning, progression, path. Mine has been with me off and on since about age 20. And actually, since I wrote this article, I've realized it started even younger. I was in college in Seattle and began feeling spent, worn thin partway through the day. This was uncharacteristic for my typically high energy determined self. I didn't know what it was then. I kept thinking that if I just get more sleep, I'd be fine. I limped by, graduated, and moved back to our our huge bright Reno skies and the challenge of medical school. And I returned to myself. Medical school and residency brought their own built-in anxieties, but that dark cloud and inexplicable worn thin feeling didn't return until after I had my first baby at age 31. With the sleep deprivation and newfound responsibility, it seemed expected. I wasn't as happy as I'd envisioned being, but I was exhausted from 60-minute sleep intervals and all that comes with being a new parent. The storm cloud didn't take up residence again until around age 40. With no warning or reason, the skies went gray and the bottom fell out of my heart despite all of the love I had in my life. Premature ovarian failure or early onset menopause confused the picture. I had hot flashes, a brain full of cobwebs, an inability to multitask, and a short anger fuse. I couldn't find my cheerful, high-functioning, energized self anywhere. Prescription hormones helped some. I thought they should fix the problem, so I waited to feel normal again. I waited for two years, telling no one. The feeling was one of inexplicable, deep, all-encompassing defeat and discouragement. 
A turning point for me was reading a blog article from cupofjoe.com entitled The Hardest Two Months of My Life. In the telling of the author's own self-realization, she says, quote, the funny thing about depression is that you don't know that it's depression, like chemical imbalance in your brain or hormonal crash. You think it's just your actual life, that your career really is ending, that you really are a terrible mother, that your husband really will stop, stop loving you, that friends do think you're boring. When you're depressed, you don't realize that your life actually is fine. You're simply sad because you're depressed. The depression is the reason for the depression. The depression is the reason for the depression. I love it. I began thinking about, I began thinking about how I have a significant family history of clinical depression and about how no matter what I fixed, I never felt better. Her description of the experience, the feeling, the mindset rings so true to me that I felt I was reading words I myself had written. When I finally decided to confide in a friend and in my husband, they were both blindsided. I am a great pretender. How could I have looked so normal to those closest to me when inside my cup was emptying faster than it could be filled and springing new leaks every day? It was as if the appearance of being okay was all I could control, all I had left of my formal self. I resisted medication because I was afraid I'd lose my edge. This was a lingering fear from the residency days when I was convinced that one of the reasons I was a good doctor was because of the fault line my anxiety kept me straddling. I thought my anxious perfectionism was my superpower. But in truth, depression blunted my edge. I had no energy and was so quick to think I just don't care. I, ha- I never contemplated suicide, but I did sometimes wonder how having me around in this state was irreparably, if subtly, harming my kids. Mm. And I often thought that it would be a relief just to be done. Waves of despair hit me at the oddest times. I'd often find myself carting through Walmart, willing myself not to cry while calmly consulting my shopping list. At every point in my past, if something was scary or hard, I would simply approach it with the requisite level of vigor, determination, and focus, and then presto, mind over matter would prevail. I prided myself on mental hardiness, but my ability to avoid shrinking in the face of fear. But mind over matter could not fix this. Love could not fix this. It was a first and it was a blow. Grit and strength of will had failed me, and love, rather than being a savior, felt like another way to fail. I eventually found a combination of exercise, adequate sleep, and medication that has, has me back at center. There is no such thing as a happy pill or a quick fix. Sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm sad, but with medication and good self-care, I can reach happy. And when I'm sad, it's about something sad, not about something trivial or for no reason at all. This story has no tidy conclusion. My life is an ongoing, messy combination of joy, love, faith, disappointment, struggle, and striving just like yours. I'm telling it so that you or someone you love might feel less alone, a little more understood, armed with the language to describe their invisible battle. I write it so that those that have the gift of sound mental health might remember that a person who looks completely together may be drowning. Oh, my God. Is that it? That's it. The end. Wow. I want to keep going. I love it. I do love words. I'm a word of sorts. So I definitely appreciate that. And the last line, of course, oh my goodness, I need people. And you know, there's so many levels, there's so many layers here, but I need people who have never been depressed before, who have never been suicidal. And yes, you were not suicidal as far as having a plan and all that, but you did have thoughts that 
people will be better off without you. You see? Yes. So, and that, like I said to my, my niece, Mackenzie, during our interview, if you feel like your loved ones are better off without you, you need help. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly right. And, and I had the, one of my, was my, my guests on my podcast. She said she felt her eight-year-old son would be better off without his mother. That was how bad. So she drove at oh, high speed into a brick wall. That oh, my goodness. Heartbreaking. The wall was knocked down, yet she didn't die. And after that, she was like, okay, mm. all right, I think I'm not supposed to go in. But it took that. I had another wow. lady drive, drive through five stoplights trying to get killed because she just felt oh my her kids needed to be with. You know, so I have had chilly stories. I'm like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. But they're all here today because they were meant to be here. And so are you. So thank you so much on so many levels for sharing that letter. I, I don't even know if I want to, I feel like I want to stop there for posterity's sake because we need to take it in. It's so many levels also because we're out of time, but I do want to <laughs> come back. I do want to come back and get, get a little bit more intimate with Dr. Joanne Jarrett. It is important. You've touched on being a mother and how hard that can be and how I, after my third son was born, went into full-blown postpartum depression. Mm. I didn't want him. I wanted a, a girl. What is wrong with you? What do you mean daughter? What is wrong with you? And wait, you're already 36. So you know, you know, having another daughter. And it's like, I did not like that baby. But he went to high school today for the first time. He is my numero uno, hardcore road dog, all day baby. Because he helps me with my podcast. He helps me with my Facebook lives. He is my, my road runner, you know? But once upon a time... And you couldn't like, imagine life without yeah, him. I, I don't, who wants a girl? Like, this child was... <laughs> but at that point in time, I, you couldn't have told me that. I was just like spent. Like, I can't even have a girl, mm-hmm. you know? And, I, and then it was full-blown depression full-blown so I I know exactly what you're talking about we have so much to talk about I'm so excited for just the levels that we can cover with you so I'm going to ask formally would you please come back for page two I would I would love to come back and create page two with you Dr. Lulu because We didn't even talk about the seasonal affective. We didn't talk about the postpartum. We didn't talk about the family history. We didn't talk about it. We we didn't talk about you. And you are intricately intricately involved in every level of everything that you've talked about. And the fact that you Mm -hmm. stepped out of your comfort zone, I think, and wrote that wonderful masterpiece. Did you send it in to to, um, Kevin MD by any chance? No, you know, it didn't occur to me to submit to Kevin MD. I have articles on Kevin MD, but that one is not one. I should do that. I think but I submitted it to... The first one I wrote that got X amount of likes and shares was like, I don't know, almost a thousand shares was, I wrote, physician, remember your why? Because I quit medicine. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this anymore. And I say, doctors out there, remember why you went into this profession. And my why was to make... Mm-hmm. And I had... Every single day I had kids coming and cutting and suicidal and jumping up and all this. And I'm like, 
I got to get out because this is not why I joined. This is not why I went to med school. Then I realized this is why I went to med school. But before that, I didn't think that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was given. I do, and you because so, you you weren't in a position where you could make a difference in those situations, so you had to reevaluate. I needed to get out that. to yeah. be able to kind of regroup. So you know, yeah. thank you. Oh my God, I love you already. You know that I already told you this. <laughs> I love you it's mutual. <laughs> I, know. I know. So I'm going to take a, a hard stop only because of time, but we're going to come back for page two. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of those episodes you need to play over and over again. If nothing else, just to hear the message that she had. I was writing notes and I stopped. I was like, no, I got to put my headphones on. I need to hear these words. Powerful, for lack of a better word. Most powerful indeed. And coming straight from the source, straight from the heart. And to be a physician, to be a doctor, to be someone who's supposed to take care of others and to walk that walk and to be able to talk that walk. This is what I'm doing here. I'm about people talking their walks. So thank you so much, Joanne. Thank you so much for coming and briefly sharing. It with was us. my pleasure. <laughs> We're going to regroup. We're going to come back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a parent, you know what I say all the time. Parenting is the hardest thing you ever did, but it's also the best thing you can ever do. So go out there and be the best dog on parents you can. This is Dr. Lulu. This is Suicide Pages, the podcast, signing out.